Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're joining us from around the world. Welcome to Web3 Warriors, episode 35, featuring Shy. Welcome, Shy. How are you doing today? Hi. Good. Thank you. Good, good. Glad you were able to make it. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. An awesome traditional surrealist artist joining us to discuss her Web3 journey. And uh, we look forward to asking you some questions and hopefully creating some value for other artists that are maybe considering getting into this Web3 NFT space. So it's awesome to have you here. And again, welcome everybody. This is Web3 Warriors. I'm your host, David Karoma. I go by Chrome in the metaverse. And as always, we're here talking about the Web3 creator economy and really the way that blockchain and NFTs are offering a new avenue of possibilities for artists, creators of all kinds, but especially we do love to focus on artists who are traditional artists in their own right, who have been, you know, creating their craft and doing their thing for many years in most cases before NFTs came around or before they maybe heard about the blockchain and what was possible. And really being able to take that art, take that creativity, whether it's on paper, whether it's 3D, any type of creation really, and bring it into this digital world and then, you know, show it to a whole new audience on the blockchain, a global audience, and be able to take advantage of that peer-to-peer -peer direct transaction is really the revolution that we like to talk about here. And we often focus on the metaverse and the gaming side of things, but we also like to just talk about creativity in general and the fact that Web3 and the blockchain is basically allowing creatives to take advantage and really just monetize in new and exciting ways that I think was not available in what we call Web2 or traditional spaces where there was a lot more reliance on kind of central platforms that would often take quite a big chunk of your creativity, the revenue that comes from your creativity. And now on the blockchain, you might still have to deal with some platforms that will take a much smaller chunk of uh, percentage uh, revenue from your creativity, but also have a lot more versatility and ownership over your own digital assets. And that's really what it's all about. That's what Web3 offers. We're keeping it really focused on the broad conversation of the creator economy today. I've been really inspired by Shai's art. Some of it has a very cool kind of astrological connections. Um, and all of them have what seems to be kind of a philosophical, deeper meaning behind the art. So I look forward to being able to ask Shai about that. And hopefully through these conversations, we're inspiring other artists to realize, you know, what is possible on the blockchain, what's possible with Web3. You know, I often mention that I spend uh, time in DAOs working on onboarding people, uh, answering questions from artists and creators who hear about NFTs and maybe they jump onto a social media app like Clubhouse or Twitter and they want to know more, you know, and so I love having those conversations with people who genuinely want to take advantage of the technology. They see the potential, but they also hear a lot of the fear, uncertainty and doubt, a lot of the concerns around whether it's environmental, whether it's financial, you know, quote unquote scams and things like that that happen on the blockchain. But really just dumbing it down and making it simplified for artists to realize, you know, Create your MetaMask wallet is the first step, you know, or any type of decentralized wallet. If you don't want to go with Ethereum, there's other options, Solana, um, Tezos. But that's that first step, creating that wallet so you have that decentralized ownership. And then you can mint your art onto the blockchain and sell your art and be able to actually get money direct from people who want to support you into your wallet. And it's that simple. You know, you can cut out 
all of the, you know, PFPs and trying to have a big collection and all of the other kind of buzz that you hear in the space about getting rich quick and all these kind of things that are really just ancillary to the basic function of being able to sell your art peer to peer to your collectors, to people who are able to find you in this new marketplace and really find uh, lucrative opportunities for artists. So that's what we're here to discuss. And thank you, Shai, for joining us today. It's an honor to have you. Uh, I love your artwork. We've got it up on the screen here. So we're going to ask you some questions about your art. But before we get into that, I just want to welcome you and ask you, you know, how did you get into NFTs? How did you get into Web3? And uh, what brings you to the blockchain? But welcome, Shai. How are you doing? Right. Okay. So it's my intro to Web3 and like the blockchain and NFTs and as a whole was kind of weird. It was from Twitter. I was just like, just starting to like post my art publicly. And around like 2020, the end of 2020, this artist reached out to me. He's like, hey, you should make your art. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, you should do like NFTs. And I'm like, yeah, sure, maybe. I wasn't sure about it because I like, I wasn't into crypto and didn't like really have any experience with crypto prior to that. So I kept going on. Then two other people in that same space were like, you should make your art. And I was like, okay, this is a sign because people keep saying it. So after that, I reached out to the initial person that was like, hey, you should do NFTs. And like, we spent an hour on the phone of him just like walking me through the first process of like minting my first like NFT. And yeah, it's called Aquarius. So that was like my first NFT. And, and when was that? On, if, uh, you don't mind me asking. When was that? Yeah. Oh, let me check on OpenSea because I did it on OpenSea because I was like, I don't know any of these platforms which one's the most affordable because i'm not like trying to spend hundreds and gas fees right. just to be a part of something yeah and in 2021 it was kind of crazy at some points where the gas fees were were pretty astronomical seriously give me one second to look it up on i guess i could just go to his collection yeah no but problem. Like, i got your i got your open sea open here too but i'm not sure maybe it's a different collection <laughs> yeah i'm so horrible at navigating through my open sea my bad <laughs> Hey, everyone's still learning, you know, <laughs> but it seems like you've been on it for at least a year, right? Yeah, that was like the beginning of 2021. I want to say like February or March was like when I minted my first piece of artwork. Nice. And so what was that process like? Uh, you know, you were kind of told a few times you should mint this, you should mint this. And then you finally, you know, took the plunge. How did you find that process? Like, was it daunting? You know, how long did it take you? Was it relatively smooth? It was confusing because I like didn't understand crypto or like why I had to pay all the fees. So I was constantly like, why am I doing all of this? But like, I feel like after the first one, I kind of was able to like figure out like how the wallet works with OpenSea and how to sign for stuff. And yeah, I feel like the initial one, I got walked through the entire process, honestly. Like I was on the phone with someone and I was like, okay, I did this step. What do I do next? So nice. I didn't, I don't think I actually had to think about it much. Uh, so you didn't, you didn't get that rough start where you make the wrong mistakes and you're paying gas prices like three, four times over. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. So it's relatively smooth onboarding process. And as you said, you know, somebody was able to actually walk you through it, which is probably the safest and best way to get onboarded. Um, not everybody has that opportunity. But again, if you just join a Twitter spaces community or a clubhouse community like the Dream Conduit, which I always like to plug, it's a DAO that I'm working with that's focused on onboarding people. You can get that kind of one on one support and uh, make sure you're doing it the right way the first time and avoid a lot of headaches for sure. So I'm really curious uh, on all your collections. You seem to and even on your twitter use this title the your favorite potato what's what's the story behind the the fave potato inquiring minds would like to know 
I get asked this a lot. It's so weird. But (laughs) (laughs) basically, like when I joined like art Twitter, just normal art Twitter, um, I was in this group chat and we were talking about foods and stuff. And at the time, it was my like, I love potatoes. Like, I just think they're perfect. And like in astrology, like my big three are like mutable. So I was like the most mutable food and most perfect food are potatoes. So (laughs) I could be a potato. (laughs) And yeah, basically I got like part of that nickname in a group chat because they were like, oh, like I post like sent art into there. And I was like, hey, look. And they're like, oh, per potato. And I was like, oh, thank you. And they're like, you should be like your fave potato. And I was like, okay, I'm taking that and running with it. There you go. It's you even got the your fave potato dot ETH, so it's official. If you got the dot ETH, then you know it's official. <laughs> right, it's cool. real. So a mutable, a mutable food that you are a big fan of. All right, we got the story. So how do you find the NFT community in general? It sounds like you've been plugged in with you know a few different. Well, it sounds like you have a history of being in art, right? So maybe it's the art community, and it's the art community that guided you into the NFT community. Do you see them as kind of one and the same? And maybe how does the the new NFT community kind of differ from the more traditional art community? Sorry, that was like two or three questions there. (laughs) Right. If I forget to answer any of these questions, just know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I feel like there's like a huge overlap with like the NFT and art communities. Some people are artists and NFT artists. Some people are just traditional artists and going that route. It's kind of weird. I haven't been doing art that long. Like I started seriously painting like mid 2020 So like, I don't have that much experience (laughs) and just being around artists on Twitter and like asking them questions. I think that's what kind of like got the ball rolling for me to share work. And then once I like got into NFT community, it was just that single person that was like, kept telling me like, Hey, I will help you mint this if you want to do it. So basically he was like the guiding force for me to like stay in this community. and And then as more artists started getting onboarding, onboarded into NFTs, I just started making more friends and learning a lot of different stuff. As for like projects, it's tricky. Like I feel like there's a huge divide with like one of one artists and like collections and collectibles. Um, I don't really have like a bias towards either of them because like I've done art for like a project that would have been more like a collectible, but I've also do like my own one of ones. So I feel like there's a place for everyone to belong. So I'm not like really immersed in that debate if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And it is definitely a bit of a debate. I feel like the tension was maybe at a fever pitch last year because the PFP projects, I mean, it's still a lot of the focus, but I think last year there was so much focus on the like getting rich quick and going to the moon and everyone like looked at the PFPs for that um, and the bigger projects as opposed to maybe the one one of ones and the more um, art specific kind of projects but um in the end it's all part of the ecosystem right and i think that we all benefit when the ethereum ecosystem or even just the nft ecosystem more broadly is doing well and and is selling and there has been a lot of comments about you know the quote-unquote bear market that we're not now in and the economic downturn but you still see a lot of pfp projects but i would say even the one of one art is actually performing on average better than the pfp projects are which might have a nice big spike you know out the gate if they have the right 
connections to certain DGEN communities or whatever the case may be, right? Where you sell out and you make that big money. But looking at one of one art, you know, what's really going to last, what's really the inspiring pieces that you see on the blockchain. And some of the projects that I see doing the best are the ones that do have the the solid art um, aspect. So without necessarily choosing one or the other, how are you finding it, you know, as a one of one artist um, during this time now? And do you think it's different maybe than it was last year? Oh, it's completely different from last year. I'm going to be honest, like at the beginning of this year, I took a little break from like Twitter and this whole space just to like figure out in real life stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm like still getting reintegrated back and like, okay, a lot of things have changed. There's not as much of like this. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are like have reflected on last year and like how much damage it did to people's mental health. So I feel like this year feels a lot slower and slightly healthier. I'm saying slightly because it's still a mess in a way. <laughs> still some toxicity, eh? <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. I don't see as many projects like as last year. But I do see like a lot of even newer one of one artists really finding their place. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm hoping. And yeah, I look at artists like yourself and other artists um, in the community who are doing it for the love of the art and they're finding collectors who you know genuinely want their art whether they plan to sell it down the road or not i don't think is even relevant right how do you feel about that you know as a one-of-one artist and the whole concept of flipping nfts versus holding nfts do you have any kind of sentimental thoughts towards that because i feel like it's more of a an emotional thing as opposed to maybe just dollars and cents but how do you feel about it like seeing your art get flipped or you know having people maybe buy your art and then try to sell it relatively quickly is that something you've experienced or it's that's a tricky thing for Mm. me because i'm like the one time i've actually like seen it happen with my art it wasn't even for a one-of-one it was for art i did for a project and Mm. i personally i'm happy that everyone gets to make money and like royalty fees are a thing so i still benefit so i don't mind if people flip it but like for like one of ones, I feel like everyone that's collected my art thus far or like my one of ones, they're very attached to it. I actually had someone reach out about a one of one I already sold. And I was like, hey, so this person has that piece. You would want to need to contact them regarding that. And I like talked to the person that owns that piece. And he's like, I'm not letting it go unless it's for this amount. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And that's my vibe with one of ones that I buy. Like sometimes I will relist them, but it's going to be like at least 10 X and I will never let it go for less than that, you know? Uh, And I think a lot of people get that kind of uh, vibe with their, with their one of one arts. And yeah, it's really, really amazing pieces that you have here. I was thinking like when you look at your long-term goals, right. And what you just talked about, you know, some of your collectors already setting really high bars, if they're going to resell them at all. And a lot of them maybe don't plan on reselling. How are you thinking about your, you know, career as an artist and how NFTs are playing into that? And do you have a kind of long-term goal or long-term plan for your NFTs? I don't like to use the term roadmap when looking at this type of art, (laughs) art NFTs, but in general, you know, like, do you have any long-term kind of goals uh, for yourself on the blockchain? I mean, for me, it's so like, I'm always in a constant state of learning. So I'm just like, I'm trying to learn as much as I can and just keep creating as much as I can. I don't like set fixed goals because I this all happened kind of fast me getting into this space and kind of unexpectedly so (laughs) I don't like try to like fixate on a specific goal or a specific outcome really just because stuff changes way too fast for me to even like make that a thing I'm just like 
I have to keep creating art and I have to keep meeting new people and I have to keep learning. Those are like my only focuses for right now. That's beautiful. I think there's a lot of value in that for uh, any artist listening. You know, those are probably the most important things to focus on. And maybe fourthly, you could say creating that community around your collectors. Is that something you've considered yet? I mean, it doesn't have to be a discord or anything like that, but even just being aware of uh, who your collectors are. And yeah, have you thought about that at all? Or is it not really something you're considering too much right now? You just, like you said, want to create the art and and do it for the love of the art and just be appreciative of anybody who does collect. (laughs) So it's kind of weird. I don't like want to like curl them all into like a discord or like a collective space. I kind of like to like interact with like my collectors one on one. So I've actually talked to every person that's ever collected my art thus far. And some of them have become like close friends at this point. And basically, I feel like they're all in different like niches that it doesn't make sense for me to like try to group them. I kind of just accept like you're in this more techie professional space. You're like a gen artist. You're a one-on-one artist and I let them do what they do and just keep in contact. I'm more of a one-on-one relationship person than like group dynamics though. That's just my personality. Yeah, that's cool. And I mean, yeah, exactly. Group dynamics is not for everyone. And in general, yeah, I think the way you're making the effort to at least know who your collectors are, try to. And I think when I talk about NFTs and Web3, that's one of the awesomest kind of sides of it, really. Not only is it global and so broad, like the audience that you can connect with is is awesome. Again, directly through peer-to-peer, not relying on any other, you know, central kind of platform. But the ability to actually hear from the people you buy art from or to actually see them express gratitude directly to you on Twitter, like that's everything, you know, like you look at the traditional art space, you would go into a gallery, you'd resonate with an art piece, but very rarely would the actual artist be there for you to talk to them directly. And in some cases, you could buy the art and the gallery itself doesn't even let you actually reach out directly to the artist for whatever reason, like some of them, you know, go out of their way to set themselves up as that like third party arbiter. And then they don't even tell the artist who their collectors are sometimes as well, which I thought is just wild. (laughs) Um, So when you you look at NFTs and blockchain and the ability to kind of cut out all of that and create real genuine relationships and connections from a collector to the artist, right? It's really, um, I call it a revolution. I just like to throw that word around. But, but you know, I think that's a big part of the NFT space, right? Would you agree? Absolutely. I feel like that's part of the reason why I've never actually like have made an effort to immerse myself into like the traditional art world, just because I've heard so many horrible things that I'm like, I like what's happening here. I like that I get to actually know how people connected to my work specifically and like make a one-on-one connection with them and not have to like share the like revenue from that with like a third party. That's, that's a big thing for me. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, technically, you know, these platforms will take like what 2% or like sometimes the blockchain will charge like a tiny percentage if you're looking at tezos or even solana um, but the margins are just astronomical you know you look at something like youtube where i think they take 45 percent of your revenue and things like that or any any platform any web 2 platform basically facebook's kind of same thing right it's not even comparable at all to what you get when you're dealing with these blockchain entities and again that full peer-to-peer transaction but yeah Sha, i want to get into some of your inspirations for your art so i think i asked you ahead of the show like you know you would definitely classify it as surreal 
surrealist art. And I've noticed that, you know, um, one of the pieces, one piece I have actually, full disclosure, <laughs> Phases of the Gemini is, is really awesome. Um, and I really liked that it had kind of an ast- astrological connection. And I know your collection on OpenSea is Mercury ruled as well. So that's clearly one of your inspirations um, as far as astrology. But uh, what generally inspires your, your artwork um, and it, are your inspirations different now that they're on the blockchain? I don't think my inspiration has changed since being on the blockchain, since it's all like a lot of it's tied to like weird dreams that I have. (laughs) A lot of of it's tied to astrology and then a lot of it's just tied to like reflection and like constantly being in my head because I feel like starting during like that time during the pandemic, we were all like isolated and I was like, oh, I'm going to just go deeper within myself and see what I find, you know? And that's also why a lot of them are faceless from last year, (laughs) because I was just like, if we get past the face, what else is there to see, you know? And as for astrology, I feel like that, that came to me around the same time as I started doing art and well, the depth of it. And basically all of it's just based on like learning about myself. I'm trying to find the word for what it is because I've said it before, but I'm like, basically I'm studying myself through like, my uh, art. Introspection? <laughs> yes, that <word. laughs> No doubt. Yeah, no, it's interesting to, um, so you're basically doing kind of self-portraits for the most part, but with a, a surrealist kind of bent. Is, is that accurate? Absolutely. That's very, very, very cool. Yeah. Looking at the three you have here on your foundation piece, right? So this digital twin, this would be kind of like a digital version of yourself is what you're saying. I mean, I really love the symmetry and like geometric shapes you got going on. Where, where do you pull that from? And do you actually create these symmetrical shapes yourself or are you using a program? So that piece is actually a collab with another artist. Okay. Um, his name is Gardeck and like a lot of his art has like that like cool little lines on it (laughs) and symmetry and yeah so we I basically did like the base painting which is the face and he went over it with the lines and the designs on top of it and also adjusting the color so it was just like two Geminis working together to make a Gemini (laughs) all right all right I dig it and you got a little third eye vibe going on there too it's very beautiful. I love the uh, the purple vibes. It's it's really something else. Um, very very cool. So on the topic of collaboration, and I've noticed on foundation, which is really cool, that it actually shows the split right on the page. So it shows both you and Scardeck splitting fifty fifty on there. So how do you find collaboration uh, on the blockchain and in NFTs, maybe compared to the traditional world? You know, this is going to be weird. I feel like this. NFT space has been super effortless for me where like all the opportunities just kind of came to me. (laughs) Um, Everyone that I've done collab art with, they've always like reached out to me and I'm like, Oh really? I don't know what I'm doing, but sure. Let's, let's do this. You know, that's awesome. Um, do you have plans? Do you have like somebody in mind who you'd like to collaborate or you just kind of let the universe bring people opportunities as they come up? <laughs> this is, I'm kind of like, I don't want to say self-centered, but like, I don't like look at other people's art and think, Oh, I want to work with you, which sounds bad. There's just like a little disconnect for me when I look at other people's art, maybe because I only make art about myself. So like, I can't like really picture myself going out of my way to like work with someone else but like Mm. there's other the way that other artists have like perceived is like they're like your art's so different than mine i would like to see like 
what would happen if we made a piece together? And I'm like, you're right. It is different. I don't know how that would work out. (laughs) (laughs) Not interested. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So are you, is this mostly brushed physical art or is this digital art? Because it really looks like it's like a brush stroke on a, on a paper. Uh, I'm looking at the tree. I'm looking at the tree one now. Yeah. So all of my art is on canvas. Like I paint every, almost everything. There's probably like three pieces that were only digital, but I, yeah, everything's traditional. Like I am in my home painting with acrylic paint onto a canvas every time. Very cool. Very cool. I got a cousin who's working on acrylic paints and he's slowly getting onto the blockchain, but I've been trying to tell him. So this is, this is going to be a good episode for him to listen to. So your process then, I'm really curious because looking at especially this one, and maybe you could actually start before telling the specific process. What's the story behind this one? Because it's, it's really cool. It seems like an uh, anthropomorphic tree, <laughs> which it may be yourself and in different kind of poses, maybe. Yeah. What's, what's the story behind this one? I really like this piece. So that piece is called The Three of Me. And basically, like I found like this old sketch I'd made like when I was like a teenager in like a binder when I was like moving and I was like I should paint this I'm much better at painting than I am at drawing and I've improved so I was like I'm gonna paint it and basically it's just three trees going through like various emotions mm. so kind of like me but not me and I guess like it kind of relates to like hope and loss as you can see like one tree is just struggling sitting down not mm. having a good time but then there's like two that are like looking up at the bigger picture and I feel like that's like a constant reminder me to see the big picture because it's easy to get stuck in like what's momentarily like difficult or upsetting or disappointing. You get lost in anxiety for sure. Yeah. These other two trees look like they're staring at the sun, reaching for the reaching for the stars or the sky. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, really cool. And I love the use of colors and like the different um, symmetrical colors you got going on it's really really cool um so on the actual process of digitizing this are you using like a light box to kind of take a shot of the canvas or what's your kind of preferred method to digitize or do you just do like straight picture with best lighting possible so usually i'm like i make sure it's sunny and i'm like okay hang it on the wall get the camera and just try to get as best of a possible picture as i possibly can of it um gratefully whenever the weather's good and the sun shining it's pretty easy because i feel like natural lighting really makes the colors look better it does pop like I, I thought maybe it was in a light box just because of how like even just the minor brush strokes you can really see it on this one it's really really well captured so but yeah i mean with a good slr you know high resolution good sunlight don't have yourself standing in front of it casting any shadows you know <laughs> i'm sure you could get that good shot and uh, digitize it just like that yeah really cool and on the physical side um, is fidgetal something you've looked into as far as actually providing physical art art pieces to anybody who purchases your nft or is it something you're open to what is that (laughs) (laughs) all right i love to teach people (laughs) so fidgetal you know came it's it's been in the space for a while um but basically it's the concept of any nft having a physical element to it so it doesn't have to just apply to art the most obvious use case is like you have right here right so this is an actual acrylic painting on canvas so the actual piece exists somewhere right so this one is just the nft at 0.3 ethereum right but let's say you wanted to create a digital version you could make it to ethereum and not only do you get this nft beautiful picture for your digital collection but you will also ship the physical canvas 
to the collector of that piece, that would make it a fidgetal NFT. What do you think about that? Oh, my God. I think I've been doing that this entire time because I have shipped <laughs> art to people. Oh, you do do that already? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag fidgetal. I I learned something new, though. I didn't know there was a word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still being much debated whether you spell fidgetal with the Y or the I, you know, P-H-I-G-I-T-A-L or P-H-Y. Either one works, I think. <laughs> but yeah, it's a cool concept. So you are doing that already. How, how are you doing it um, already? Um, so yeah, basically, like if you go to the one with like the galaxy body, I ship that one to Canada. Basically, they they buy it and then I'm like, okay, can I get your shipping information and name so I can just have that all right and then get the boxes, wrap it, pay the fees to ship it because shipping internationally is not cheap, I realize. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it's actually really easy as long as like they give you everything that you they need to give you to ship it to them like i haven't had any issues with that thank god that's really cool that you're already doing it um and yeah this uh nourishment of the divine mother is really really nice really beautiful piece as someone with a son myself i can i can definitely vibe with that so you ship the actual physical piece to canada you're saying yeah nice that's that's awesome well, you're already a step ahead. So, yeah, you got to just because you don't mention that in the description, did you? That you were going to provide the physical piece to whoever purchased it? It was I just mean, like sometimes a, I do. And like sometimes I'm like, it's hit or miss because I've had people collect art. I'm like, do you want the original? Do you want the physical? And they're like, nah. Yeah, I can imagine. And sometimes they do. So Definitely. Yeah. I'm like, leave it out. There are people in the space who are not traditional art collectors and have no interest in actually hanging art on their wall in the real world. They just want art for their wall in the metaverse, you know? <laughs> Brew, I'm glad you like the fidgetal. You can take that one. I didn't make it up either, so not my... <laughs> I won't take credit for that. But yeah, no, it's, that's, that's really amazing that uh, you're kind of already doing that. And on the topic of the metaverse, um, which I'm always interested in, and I really see that, you know, the next frontier of the NFT space is that digital space. Do you have any thoughts towards the metaverse? Have you, you know, created any on cyber or other uh, metaverse spaces that you have your art up in displaying? So I did an on cyber a while ago, but I did not keep up with it. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I'm just like, I don't feel like it. <laughs> But I made one for, like, the people I've collected art from, but also, like, my own personal art. I like looking at other people's, like, little galleries that they, like, have curated and, like, put together so thoughtfully. But I don't feel like I personally am going to be that person that's really sitting there trying to make everything perfect in the metaverse for people to view. But I'm also, like, I don't consider myself, like, a major collector in this space. Like, I feel like that's a collector trait, like, displaying all the art to show off to other people. That's true. <laughs> that is my goal. I'm I'm trying to update my, my metaverse space um, for our Web3 Warriors site. If you go to web3warriors.io, you can uh, jump into a metaverse space right now, but we'll have a new one linked up to there uh, shortly as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the metaverse. And I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how artists uh, activate in the metaverse and think about, you know, kind of take it in a more uh, event kind of angle right like actually look at it from like promotional easy kind of opportunity to to sell your art but as of right now maybe it's not quite active or populated enough 
to, to be that, you know, good go-to, you know, like you better make sure you have your art up in voxels or make sure you have your art up in Decentraland to help it sell. On that note, do you have a favorite platform? Obviously you have um, something on Rarible, you got stuff on Foundation. Uh, you said you started with OpenSea as most um, people new to NFTs do. Have you landed on a preferred platform at all? I don't have a favorite. Part of me is like, I'm trying to Part of me is like, I kind of want to like get away from a platform. So I actually have like one person I need to reach out to about how they made an Artiba page for like all of their art rather than just going through a platform constantly. Because mm-hmm. I feel like platforms have like their own like little niche and also like community. And I'm like, I don't want to like accommodate to fit whatever platform's theme is you know yeah that does seem to be part of it for sure um and i think they're getting away from it a bit but certain ones um like even super rare tends to have like all their featured artists seem to have a certain type of angle and floor price or whatever the case may be but yeah no it's interesting um and i agree going without needing a platform is probably your best bet um but have you looked into kind of custom contracts through manifold or um any other kind of custom contract to avoid the the need to mint on a platform have you gone that far yet i have i've actually minted two things on manifold so far i think that's like going to be the thing i stick with from now on nice um very cool i don't know if i saw those do those ones go through to your um, foundation or maker's place or how are you? Yeah. yeah. So they're on, I don't think they're on maker's place because they're not like compatible with uh, Manifold. I've asked them like two times now and they're like soon, but not yet. Right. But on foundation, um, they probably show up on like the little created page to yeah. have. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, there's more there. Okay, so they show up under created, but they're not under a foundation collection. So there's IRL 25. And yeah, interstellar. Oh, purification. That's intense. (laughs) (laughs) Very intense, surrealist pieces. Um, Tell us about interstellar. So this would have been minted on Manifold? Yes. Very cool piece. Thank you. It's it's like massive it's two feet by three feet in real life so wow so if somebody purchases this at 0.444 you're still going to offer that big two-foot canvas or they're going to have to pay extra for shipping (laughs) i mean (laughs) that's going to be pretty hard to ship right (laughs) we can negotiate that in my dms (laughs) (laughs) no doubt no doubt all right sorry i interrupted what's the story behind uh, interstellar yeah um but basically it was just a self-portrait from like a picture i took last year with one of my favorite paintings so the blue painting actually exists as like a separate painting in real life nice i was like basically it was just like this phase of like really realizing like how magical my existence is (laughs) and also like acknowledging that i tend to like shrink or hide behind things when i instead of like fully showing up as myself so Mm. that's basically kind of the story of it i wrote a long description and i can't remember it right now very cool i love that it's meta so you have a picture within a picture so it's another picture you've created already which you basically redrew for the purposes of this picture or this art um and then created um you overlapped it with an actual picture you had 
that's really neat um and then what's this what's the the little cosmos um uh, voids what's the story behind that cool um effect is there a is there a oh. philosophical reason or it's just a cool you just think it looks nice um that that's related to a weird dream actually we're <laughs> <laughs> uh, just getting into your dreams here uh, i'm down <laughs> But yeah, um, I had this dream about like this lady whose body was like made of stars and like it was just really crazy. And now like I'm just really fixated on like incorporating that as much as I possibly can within my art. If not like the galaxy body part, at least like voids within the body because I feel like I don't fully exist in my body. <laughs> and do any of I us really? A, <laughs> I mean, some more than others. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> very cool, very cool. So you got some compliments in the chat, Sasha and Lil Disco Baby saying it's beautiful and illy. <laughs> very nice. Thank you, thank you for tuning in, folks. Um, yeah, no, it, it's really cool, and I love that you're inspired by your dreams. What about the ones who see me? One more, one more art explanation here, because that another really, really cool. So this would have been done on acrylic as well. It almost looks like yeah. it looks like a different style or just different type of paint, maybe, or just oh, acrylic. It's, it's, yeah, it's a different style. I'm always experimenting because I'm like, I feel so new to art that I'm like, I got to try everything at least once before I like pick one style. It doesn't <laughs> seem new to art. I got to say, like, it seems like you've been at it for a minute. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> the shading is next level. Yeah, you know, lots of. Really cool, surrealist vibes. Um, but yeah, what's the story? You got you got eyes behind her and really cool colors going on. So yeah, this one also like based on a picture I took. Uh, I'm not going to say everything relating to this because I'm like, people feel a certain ter type of way about shrooms. So, but <laughs> um, basically it was like this realization that like, even like though like, I like was having like this weird dynamic with a group of artists in a group chat. And I was like, they don't see me. And I got so frustrated last year that like I left all of the group chats I was in and I was like, whatever, I'm going to like not interact with any of you. Cause like, why am I talking to a wall? Like, why is everything so clicky? Mm. But then like shortly after that, like I got an amazing opportunity from like someone that like people kiss a lot of ass to in this space to do art with for their project and i was like okay clearly something divine something bigger than like humans can see me and validate me better than like whatever little pond i was in no <laughs> so <doubt>. yeah <laughs> that's beautiful um so this was your kind of visual representation of feeling seen by the universe if not by the little clicks exactly all right all right very cool. We're getting real philosophical today. I like it. <laughs> um, have you minted NFTs anywhere but Ethereum, or are you are you uh, an Ethereum maxi, maybe, or what, what? How do you? Any thoughts on other blockchains? So I did mint something on Tezos, but I can't find my seed phrase, so it's oh, no. just all floating there. <laughs> can't lose the seed phrase. Rule number one. <laughs> Like, honestly, don't be like me in that aspect, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> very important. Very important. It's a good, valuable lesson here. Got to keep that seed phrase somewhere. You won't lose it, especially if you already minted art, uh, artwork on that. 
We got to go find yeah. it though. I'm going to, I'm going to go find that artwork and buy it and you won't be able to take any of the revenue from it. <laughs> but That's know. actually happened. A couple people have collected that piece and I'm just like, that's great. I'm glad you have more of my art, but I, I can't get any of that money, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, it's the thought that counts, right? <laughs> Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on the astrology tip, right? I've, I've definitely been noticing and also numerology for that matter. I don't know if you're into that as well. Um, noticing a lot of repeating numbers on your on your sales here, 0.444, But um, in general, like in the NFT space, I've definitely been seeing more and more of both of those, uh, but especially astrology. And I have to say, I wasn't like, I'm kind of, I knew that I'm a Libra. I don't really know that much about what that means and all the sun signs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think it's an interesting, again, I'm, I like philosophy. And so from a philosophical perspective and a historical perspective, because we know these, you know, concepts have been around for millennia. Um, I think it's an interesting intersection, right, to see how astrology is being embraced in large part by at least many corners of the NFT space. So you're taking this kind of old ancient knowledge and bringing it into this new technology. Um, how do you feel about that intersection? And maybe we can talk about yours specifically and then maybe the community overall. But yeah, why, why does it inspire you? And do you think there's anything kind of profound there as far as you know combining those two things so yeah so as to why it inspires me um i recently like got into sidereal astrology which is like basically what mostly vedic or hindu astrologers use Mm. so the system's very different but like when i was like learning that astrology in 2020 i was like my eyes just like open and i just felt very seen and like had more understanding of life and like the things that I've experienced thus far in my life. And in a way, it just felt more like a science because like how detailed and in-depth it got into certain aspects of life. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. That's why this keeps happening to me. And so I feel like it was inevitable that it would inspire my art because I started doing art around the same time I started getting into sidereal astrology. And so they kind of just overlapped as I learned something new about myself. And then actually within this space, I started meeting different astrologers. I think they're mostly in Europe right now. I think, keyword thing. But I ended up meeting like a group of other astrologers that also like create art that's based on astrology or their relationship to it. And yeah, I, I feel like it's inevitable that like everyone will eventually start getting deeper into astrology just because I feel like, I don't know, as in terms of like a collective consciousness, I just feel like we're all leaning more towards this whole reflecting on our actions and who we are as people, especially with like the way that the world's going right now. Yeah, no doubt. We can only hope, right? Maybe some more clarity, some more introspection. Um, can't force people though. So we'll see, (laughs) see which way the world turns, but yeah, no, I agree. It's really interesting. And you said that Vedic, uh, astrology was called satirial or what did you say? Oh, sidereal. So basically a different system Hmm. for astrology that changes everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I love uh, Indian history and Hindu history is very interesting. And um, yeah, looking at astrology and, you know, which one came first or they're all connected somehow. Right. Um, so, yeah, there theirs is definitely the more um, very storied history. I think they have a very obvious, clear lineage um, going quite far back uh, through their Hindu religion. Right. Um, looking at this Virgo, the healer um, under your Mercury ruled, were you looking at doing other signs? Are you is that something um, you're kind of planning to do as far as rolling out like all the different signs of the astro astrological chart or you're just kind of vibing with it? I feel like I've had people be like, do my sign next. And that makes me not want to do any of right. them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was wondering. Like, <laughs> Are you planning to cater to everyone or you're just kind of like, no, I just want to do what comes to me and that's it. Either you, you, you resonate or you don't. <laughs> Yeah. So like that was last year. This year I'm like, okay, maybe I can like let other people feel seen since like if we go based off a birth chart, we all have all those signs in our charts. So I can be more open minded and not focus on what's actually only in my chart. All right. All right. I dig it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what about numerology? Is that something you're interested in as well? Briefly, there's a little bit of overlap with numerology and astrology. So I'm mm. a little interested into that. But I don't find it as, like, in-depth as astrology. But, like, for number choices, <laughs> um, this is weird. It's kind of based on, like, whatever time period I'm in in terms of astrology. So, like, the sevens relates to Jupiter. Fours relate to Saturn. And, yeah, I'm currently in my Saturn time period. So you're going to be seeing a lot of fours. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. All right. I dig it. <laughs> I didn't know that connection, um, but that's really cool. What's your advice kind of, I think we've talked on some pieces of advice already during this conversation, but in general, you know, looking at artists, maybe, you know, some artists yourself who haven't taken the plunge or jump into web three, what is your uh, advice for those artists who haven't and who should, you know, look at web three as an avenue? I mean, my main advice is just be open-minded. Um, it's so easy to get fixated on what other people are doing or how they're getting their art out there and making it accessible to others within Web3. So just be open to like the possibilities. You don't have to do one-of-one. -one. You don't have to do a collectible. Like There's so many different ways that you can sell art and succeed in this space than just what you see. And also uh, be cautious. Question everything. Because, like, I feel like since, like, Web3 and NFTs, like, you're not really dealing with people in real life or mostly on social media. There's a lot of deception. And I just feel like it's really necessary to question everything and be diligent that you take care of yourself first before, like, getting into something you don't want to be a part of. Yeah, that is great advice. And on that point, you did mention, you know, being kind of requested or commissioned. I'm not sure how you'd frame that to basically do the art for a project, right? And this was a topic we talked about last week in the Dream Conduit. Basically, just there has to be some kind of new best practices, right, for commissioning artists in this Web3 space. Like, I don't know that it should be handled the same way as it was in Web2 and traditional, just because there is so much more potential for ownership, for maybe profits down the road, if you agree to that. Would you would you agree that it's different than it was, you know, Web2 and traditional? Or do you still view that kind of agreement contract um, around commissioning artwork for people kind of the same way? It's tricky because I wasn't really like in art during the Web2 era. Like mm. all most of my art experiences in Web3, if we're being completely honest. But mm. in terms of like commissioning artists, I feel like more structure 
could be very beneficial. Like, one of the first projects I did was for, like, NFT boxes. And, like, I was... I was so confused. I'm like, should we, should I, I be signing a contract? Like <laughs> we're just handling this in a Twitter DM mm. and like, you should, the question is, yes, you should be signing a contract. <laughs> the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so like since that one, a different one I did, I was like, okay, this one has paperwork and it's feels more legit, but like still, I feel like the way that like some projects handle, like how artists get paid is also questionable in my opinion i feel like if you're not going into a project that's already um well established and i don't want to say like trustworthy or credible but like just ask more questions yeah. <laughs> and what do you think about the idea that you know because it's web3 um and there's something to be said about you know just straight pay for hire you know um but because it's web three and there's this potential, like let's say you do a project for, or you do artwork for a project that does end up, you know, going to the moon, like board ape yacht club, for example. Right. And that was a case in point where I think their artist was paid a specific amount. They were not given anything as far as percentage on the back end. They haven't seen any of the, you know, additional revenue from the wild success that that project has had. Do you think that in web three, there's a space for creators and artists? Obviously this comes with knowledge and being, you know, able to advocate for yourself. Right. Um, but do you think that it's reasonable as an artist doing work for a project to expect some small percentage, um, whether it's on royalties or even just on the main mint price to actually be like programmed into the smart contract so that it's like guaranteed, you know, direct peer to peer percentage going to you as the artist who helped make this project possible. Do you think that's a reasonable request? Absolutely. I feel like all the art I've done for projects has been like that where oh, like nice. the art and we have like an agreement like, hey, it will go to this wallet. You get this percentage of this of the sales. You get this for your royalties. I've been lucky that like that's all that I've actually had to deal with. That's amazing. So. Yeah, you are lucky then for sure. And that's great. And that's what I'm saying. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that because frankly, the conversation I had yesterday, there were a lot of people, um, a lot of differing opinions, some who agreed that that should be the case. Um, but others who, you know, it's just I should be able to pay you for a job. And it's done, you know, like you created that art for me, paid you a thousand dollars. Thank you. See you later, you know, uh, and not necessarily because if you're going to sign them into the contract, the argument is then they're almost collaborating and then they're actually a part of the project team as opposed to maybe a commissioned artist who did that one function and then didn't do anything else with the project. Um, but for you, I think I would agree. And, um, others said that, you know, as the artist who made that artwork possible and made that project, the visible, you know, um, identity of that project, what it is, it should be reasonable to basically treat them like part of the team. Right. And give them that percentage, um, on the back end. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, I feel like since like a lot of everything seems so community based, it only seems fair that the artists would be part of that community and also be able to benefit from that, if that makes sense. Nice. Yeah, I think it makes sense for sure. And I think that while it's easy, you know, from a, again, web two and traditional perspective to say, oh, I'm commissioning you just for the art, give me the art and our deal is done, you know, but I think it's on the artists to realize in web three, 
Web3 equals ownership, you know, Web3 equals sovereignty. And so as an artist being asked to provide art for a an NFT or Web3 project, you have to understand that you should be trying to get a piece of ownership of that of that project, right? It shouldn't just be, you know, the the usual, okay, I got my check, here's the art, that's it, you know, done done. Um cuz I'm seeing certain situations and I've seen one specifically that I think the artist is a little bit um, being taken advantage of, but that's just my perspective. I could be wrong, but where it's basically a whole one of one project, right? Um, well, it's a collection of one of ones where she's made the whole artwork and, you know, someone else has kind of created the promotional project per se, you know, and promoted it and created the smart contract and done that side of things. But she's, you know, the heart of it, right? Created all the art pieces that are basically the heart of the project. But she has no idea how NFTs work, how, you know, she could be getting a percentage of that all of the activity happening on those NFTs, that doesn't even occur to her, right? So obviously part of it, I think, is the education on the artist side. But at what point does any developer or project manager, creator, have the you know responsibility essentially in this web3 world to advocate for the artists that they're hiring on to actually want to make sure that they are you know receiving the best um, you know equitable benefits um, I don't know I think it's a fair question but it seems like anytime you bring that up to prospective project managers it's more like they see it as a criticism <laughs> or they see it as uh, you know just biting into their bottom line I guess I don't know yeah. I feel like that goes back to like questioning everything. Um, once again, like I feel like, like I don't want to say artists are gullible, but I feel like <laughs> they're more receptive to being taken advantage of. And I've seen it already with a different artist where she did art for a project and then they straight up just didn't pay her um, at all. Wow. And she that's horrible. Back from them. Right. But it's also like, the matter of like making sure you question everything and sign that contract right have it in writing exactly because trust but verify like you don't want to like waste all your time doing this art just to be like okay now what and also one thing with like at least artists that are entering the web3 space when a project like goes live and it does well that also gives you more perspective collectors because if they bought that piece or engaged with that project, they might want to engage with the rest of your work. Yeah. And that just opens another floodgate for opportunities, you know? Mm. And that's why at the very least, I think every project should always be putting their artist, you know, if not front and center, at least as a clear member of the team. But I do see some NFT projects where you don't even know who the artist was who created it. Um, or they'll say who the artist was, but that artist isn't actually, you know, kind of presented as an actual member of their team or present during their, you know, uh, clubhouse spaces or Twitter spaces. Um, so I think that it behooves all projects to really lean into the creativity and always, you know, promote the artist who's making the, the visual side of your project come to life, right? Absolutely. That's only fair because yeah. you couldn't do it without the artist. <laughs> That's what it seems like. But a lot of people seem to think they could or they could just go get a different artist or whatever, like as if art is so interchangeable. But I just definitely not <laughs> as any of us who really collect art know um, every art 
artist is different and you can't really collect you know um duplicate the same thing twice so cool cool so we're coming to the end here uh last question that we always ask every guest to the critics you know to those who have their skepticism of blockchain for whatever their reasons may be environmental um financial uncertainty whatever the case may be what do you say to the critics who think it's not a good avenue for art or for creators in general to jump into nfts i mean to each their own <laughs> but i've been lucky so i i can't do what you want. That's like my main thing. But as for like the environmental aspect, the merge has already happened. So like, let that part die. That's one of my things. Like, no doubt. You guys want it to be environmentally friendly. And here we are. And there's also various other blockchains that are environmentally friendly. So that's the truth. Research. That's the truth. <laughs> do some research um, but I like it to each their own that's one of my favorite philosophies as well so I hear you um, and they'll come when the time is right for them right but in the meantime we're going to keep building we're going to keep building out here and uh, promoting artists thank you so much Shy for joining oh thank you everyone who's tuned in it's been amazing do you have any final thoughts or uh, anything you'd like to mention before we wrap Shy? Um, I think that's all I have thank you for having me this was really cool Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you liked the conversation. I um, definitely look forward to keeping in touch and seeing what you're building on the blockchain. And uh, we will be back next week on Saturday at likely 12 p.m. Eastern and back with the Web3 Warriors. And until then, we'll catch you all in the metaverse. Take care, everybody. Peace out. Bye.